Good morning. It's so good to be here, Amen. and I, I have grown to love so much this time of year. We're going to divert from the book of Ezra for this Sunday and next Sunday, and would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 1, we're going to spend some time there, and then we're going to be over in that chapter that Brother Mike was bringing the lesson from in the book of Luke. Chapter 1. In this book of John, we have no lineage of the Lord Jesus. In the book of Mark, we have no lineage of the Lord Jesus. One preacher said that every book has a central theme. In the book of John, the theme is the deity of Christ. And when we speak of the deity of Christ, we don't have a lineage. We have eternity. When we go to the book of Mark, Mark declares our Savior as the servant. And servants never had a lineage. They were brought into this world, they worked, they died, and that was it. Well, here in the book of Luke, we have these words mentioned with regard to our Lord Jesus and his incarnation. God Coming in the flesh. It is so vital. The prophets spoke of it throughout the Old Testament. And the evangelists have spoken of it ever since. The coming of God in the flesh. For the redemption of his people. The book of John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. We find in this verse of scripture that there is no interest. God does not have any interest in declaring an argument about God or about the existence of God. That is assumed. Brother Mike mentioned a quote that I have in my office. One who has faith, no explanation is necessary. One without faith, no explanation is possible. You can't explain the existence of God. Either you believe it or you don't. And if we truly, truly believe in the existence of God as declared in the word of God, it only comes by revelation. God had to reveal that to us. We may believe in a God, but we find out that God wrote in his word that even the demons, the devils, believe there's a God. And they stand in judgment by him. This word, word, that we find in this verse of scripture is common in the New Testament, but it is very specific with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is called the word four times in the New Testament. Many times is this word logos translated in the scriptures as word, but it makes reference to the Lord Jesus, and one of them is found here in John chapter 1. This word, and we know as we use them, it would be very difficult for us to explain what we want to say or explain an object if we were limited by not being able to use words. Explain your home without using words. Explain your mate without using words. That would be very difficult. 
Well, we find that uh, word is an expression, a vehicle of thought. And when we apply that thought to the Lord Jesus, we find it is the word of God then is the deity expressing itself. We're going to have God, Jesus the Christ, expressing the deity of God to us by his very being and by his words. He is the word or the logos of God. God is going to use him to express to us almighty God. That is why the Lord Jesus is called the word of God. He is God's final spokesman. We read this in the book of Hebrews. I hope I never forget the message that Brother Lance brought from the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 there, that he, the word in the past was bought, brought by the prophets of God, but no longer is that necessary for Jesus Christ has come and he is the final spokesman for God Almighty. Throughout the Old Testament, Moses was a spokesman for God. And five books were written by, by Moses by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We go through the rest of the Old Testament books and they were spokesmen for God. We read them as God's word. They were the spokesmen of God. When we come to the New Testament, we find that the final spokesman of God is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gives us those words that we have through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and up through book of Revelation. These are the word of God. He's the final spokesman, the final prophet of God Almighty. And we also find out that when we have a word, we're going to have letters. And every word is made up of letters. Even the smallest, A, I, are made up of letters. And these letters, we find out Christ is God's alphabet, for he is the alpha and omega of all the things concerning God. He is the final word of grace, and he is the letters that make up the word of grace. He is the explanation of the Godhead, and he is the words of, that declare it, and he is the letters that make up the word. A word is the means of manifesting, communicating, and revealing. And we find with regard to Christ, he manifests the invisible God. When those folks during those times that Christ walked upon this earth, when they saw him, they saw God, the very God, and there were some that understood that. That man that raised him up as an infant in the temple recognized him as God Almighty. Mary recognized him as God Almighty. And there were some that simply said, Is not this Joseph's son? They had no concept of the revelation that Jesus Christ was the manifestation of the invisible God. He communicates the love and mercy of God. The Lord Jesus and all that he said and did reveals the love and mercy of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the mercy of God Mercy, we, we read in the scriptures that mercy is something God gives to us when he withholds the justice that was due us. And the justice that was due us 
was laid upon him, the everlasting Christ, and he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And he reveals the attributes and the perfections of God. We call it his holiness. We call it his righteousness, that he was absolutely obedient to all that was found in the law of God. What we could not do, he has done. And what we could not do, we could not approach God. He was in the very presence of God for eternity. And he pleased God with all his nature and all his being and all his obedience. And it is so pleasing to God that he welcomed him back into the throne of grace, back into the throne of God when he accomplished his purpose on the cross, when he went to the grave and was resurrected, spent 40 more days on this earth to show to people, his disciples and those around him, I have come out of the tomb victorious I have accomplished the purpose that I set out to do when I came and was born of a virgin, laid in a manger, and grew up among men, dead men, all of them by nature, a few he gave the revelation of Jesus Christ, and they could see him for who he actually was, God the very God. Now, in the same chapter, verse 14, Read that with me. It says, And the Word was made flesh. We could contemplate that for ages. It's beyond my ability to understand, but I'm so thankful it is written there and the Holy Spirit can reveal it to our hearts and we can believe it as the fact. The word was made flesh. This word was made flesh. We already realize that he was already pre-existent. The Lord was pre-existent. Christ was pre-existent. He was the eternal son of God. He is God the very God. But in time... Because of the fall and because the plan that God had before the foundation of the world, as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, it was of necessity that he come, God the very God, and take upon himself flesh like unto those he was going to die for. God the very God could not die. Man could not die for himself. So God in his grace... And in his mercy sent his only begotten son who took upon himself the form of a man made like unto his brethren. He came and was born in such a capacity that he could suffer death and pay the price of all the sins of all his people on the cross. You and I could not do that and God could not come as God and deal with it because God cannot die. The God-man has paid the price for all those he chose in God before the foundation of the world. We find that this is such a marvel. The scriptures we heard read this morning over in the book of Isaiah gives us some insight. The prophets throughout the Old Testament 
gave us insight. And those who knew something, those who had been revealed something, had this knowledge in their heart. God is going to do a work that he has never done before. He created Adam of the dust of the ground. He created Eve from the rib of Adam. But he did not do that for his son. His son was brought into this world in the most miraculous way. We read that Abraham's wife Sarah had a son in her old age. We find that Zacharias' wife had a son in her old age. One was Isaac. The other one we find was John. They were brought into this world in a miraculous way. They were beyond the age of childbearing. And yet God touched them and they were able to have children in the natural way. But this one that God promised to be the redemption of his people came in such a miraculous way. The word became flesh. And the Old Testament writers give us some insight into that. Isaiah in chapter 7 gave us some insight into this. And people have said since it was written in the days of Isaiah, that is impossible. And God answers that, with God nothing shall be impossible. He answered it in the days of Isaiah. He answered it in the days of Moses. And he answers it today. A virgin shall conceive. Behold, God shall give a sign. A virgin shall conceive. And men and women have declared with loud voices, even today, that is impossible. Left to man, it is. With God, nothing shall be impossible. But when the fullness of time would come, over in the book of Daniel, if we had some insight we'd be able to trace the exact day when the Lord Jesus would be born. It was given to those Jews. Daniel was given that information by the, by the angel Gabriel. Gabriel lined it right out. There is the time to expect the coming Messiah. A whole bunch of folks couldn't understand it. People today have tried to make that into something that it is not. And then when it didn't happen like they planned it, that Jesus didn't set up an earthly kingdom, they have a big long postponement between the 69th and 70th week. In the middle of the last week, it tells us that Jesus Christ laid down his life a ransom. So we don't have to look for something in the future. The only thing holding back the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second time is that there's still some sheep that need to be saved and when they're saved, this will be over. And we'll sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus saying, Hallelujah for the cross. The fullness of time was come. God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Timothy said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. He calls it a great mystery. And it is without controversy that it is a mystery. But God came in the flesh. God was born of a virgin. The Lord Jesus Christ came in a very special way, not ever having taken place before. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we 
I have to ask. I ask myself the same question. How can these things be? We heard read this morning in the book of Luke, a young lady in Israel, when she was approached by the angel Gabriel, asked the very same question. How can this be? Well, God gives us some information about that. God lets us have an inside track on that. God lets us see a little bit about he, how he does his business. And he shows us a little through speaking to Mary. Gabriel, Gabriel is mentioned a number of times in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And it was this same great angel, archangel. It's interesting that Gabriel's name means man of God. We have someone greater than an angel. We have a messenger from God, and there is one true messenger of God, and that's the Lord. Gabriel appeared unto Daniel in the book of Daniel twice, and Gabriel appeared unto Zacharias, and Gabriel appears unto Mary. Now, it's interesting to me, when we find out who this Gabriel is, that he's speaking to the woman that's going to bear him into the world. He's not going to leave it to an angel. He's not going to leave it to a person. He appears directly in her presence and lets her know exactly what she is going to do even though it is contrary to everything that is in this world. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And she asks the question, how can these things be? I'm convinced that there were a number of women throughout Israel's history that thought they might be the one to bring the Christ child into the world. I'm convinced by the words that Eve used that she thought when she had her first son that we have the answer to the problem that was created by Adam, that someone was going to come and be a ransom for our sin. It turned out he wasn't it. But the seed of a woman was going to be the answer to the problem. That's what God shared with Adam and Eve and to the serpent just after the fall that a, a seed of the woman will take care of the problem. It's interesting that the Lord never called, in our understanding from the scriptures, he never called Mary mother, but he called her woman. That's what he said to John when he says, you take care of this woman. He was the seed of the woman. He was the answer to the problem that had been created in the Garden of Eden by Adam. He was the answer to the fall. He was the answer to the fall for all his people. Gabriel, the man of God, the mighty one, is mentioned here. This one, the, the man of God, the mighty one, made this appearance and spoke in such an authoritative way, we can only make it, this is the Lord. Gabriel came to give Mary an account of the manner in which all these things would take place. It's the right time. The woman has been identified. The power of God appeared. The manner and the means of the fulfillment of the word of the prophets is declared. Would you turn with me there to the book of Luke? 
The book of Luke chapter 1. The Word was in the beginning. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then it said in John 1.14, the Word was made flesh. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, we have the answer to the question, how shall these things be? Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, it says in the sixth month, that's in the sixth month of the, of the unborn life of John. John was six months older than the Lord and six months of Elizabeth. The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. It's no wonder that the folks during the time of Herod, the time of the birth of Christ, couldn't figure out why this king of the Jews couldn't be Jesus because they said he's from Nazareth. The king of the Jews is going to be born in Bethlehem. They never, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was a despicable place. It was just one step above the Dalles. It was a place where natural man lived and lived out his life. And without Christ and without God and without hope, there is no pleasant end. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as the prophet would say, and grew up in the city of Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. And I'm here to tell you that the number of times you say that is not going to help. She was blessed among women. But every woman that God has exercised grace to has been richly blessed by God. Every man that God has expressed grace to is richly blessed by God. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast her in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She didn't say a word. But the angel of the Lord knew what was going through her mind. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor. That word is grace. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, This is how it's going to take place. 
Joseph wrestled with this. We find out in the book of Matthew when he found out that his engaged bride was already pregnant. He wrestled with it. In fact, under Old Testament law, he had the right to have her stoned to death. But he wanted to put her away privately, not making her a public example because he loved her. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and says, Joseph, I'm here to tell you something. This is a very special pregnancy. And when the time comes, you're going to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And Joseph was convinced. Now, he's a whole like, lot like the church. Boy, how can these things be? How can God do his business? And there's a whole lot of folks believe that they must be involved with God's business. And the church, the true church, believes leave God alone and he will do his business. (laughs) Stay out of it. That's what we find here. Joseph thought she had relations with another man and this is unheard of. And the Lord appeared unto her and says, she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Now, natural man in their thought processes, we all think that we have to do something to be saved. What shall I do to be saved? The rich young ruler brought that to the Lord. The the, the, the uh, jailer there brought that to Paul. What shall I do to be saved? And the answer is always, the Lord saves his people from their sins. Now, how can we get a Savior in here without mankind? How can we get a Savior down here without helping it along the way? And the answer is the answer that the angel gave unto Mary. We're not going to have man involved in this because they only mess it up. When Adam sinned and brought forth children, he messed them up. And when they brought forth children, they were messed up. And when we come down to our generation, everybody that had ever been born has been messed up towards God and have no right view about him. And the only people that will ever look at God with affection are those who have what we read about Mary being able to have a child without man's influence. The Holy Spirit must come and must overshadow us and must give us the new birth and that which is left in us shall be called holy. That's what the new birth is. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon his folks and overshadowing them and using the seed. The church is called a woman many times in the scripture and it is the church that shares the seed, the word of God. 
And it is here that God said, I will overshadow, I will come upon, I will bring the Spirit of God, and I will generate life. I will indwell that which is left in them is holy. Because it's the Holy Spirit left in those he deals with. There in the book of Luke, Mary said, I'm just so overwhelmed by what I've just heard. How can these things be? And it tells us in verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. What was his answer to that? How can these things be? Must I enter the second time in my mother's womb? He gave an honest answer from a human standpoint. And the Lord Jesus brings up the activity of the Holy Spirit to him. The wind blows where it wants to. You can see the action of it, but you cannot see where it's come from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Here the, Holy, the Gabriel says, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. What power does it take to raise a dead person to life? The same power it took to raise the Lord Jesus. That's the power of God. That's why it's impossible for us to ever raise ourselves. You know, it just been as easy for someone to come up to Mary in this great time of consternation when she says, how can these things be? And says, well, you better be baptized. What good is that going to do to bring a child into this world? Well, you better take the Lord's Supper. You better have a Christian life. You better walk good. You can't do that. You can't go there. All those things that are brought up by religion have just as much effect of Mary having the Christ child as anything else. And the angel told her, God told her, the angel of the Lord says, the Holy Spirit is going to be here. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is going to put life in you. The Holy Spirit and that which is in you shall be called holy. It says the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest. The power of the highest. No less will do. It must be the power of the highest. That's what came upon Mary so long ago. The, power, the Holy Ghost came and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We heard read this morning his name shall be called Emmanuel. What a wonderful name. There have been people named that all through history. In fact, one of the sons of Isaiah's name was Emmanuel. A picture and a type and a shadow. But the real one came. His name is Jesus. He, the virgin shall be conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. The God, the very God that created the heavens and the earth and creates life within sinners. That God is with us. And here he is. Put that flesh The Old Testament prophet said in the Psalms, A body thou hast prepared for me. Brought up in the book of Hebrews, A body thou hast prepared for me. This did not become 
flesh, but was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Christ, after the flesh, should be the seed of the woman. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. How shall this be? Power of the shadow. The Almighty shall overshadow you. A body. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The act of conception from the Holy Ghost must be holy. A virgin shall conceive, yes, but not by man. She shall bring forth a son, yes, but not by human begetting. The Holy Ghost shall overshadow her. His almighty agency brings the soul course, the soul cause. He was made of a woman, not begotten, but made. God with us. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 20. We cannot, in any message, stop with just his birth. Why did he come? What was the purpose of it? It wasn't just to grow up and answer folks in the temple. It wasn't just to grow up and do all those mighty works among the folks, all those miracles. It wasn't just to go to the temple at the time of the Passover or to go there during other feast times. It wasn't just to go out on the mountain and spend three chapters of the book of Matthew giving us the great Sermon on the Mount. It wasn't just to go into uh, the mount and there pray his great high priestly prayer. The reason the Lord Jesus came to this world was not to glorify men, but to glorify God. And he would do that as we read here in the book of Matthew, chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and there in verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. A payment price worthy to take care of the sins of his people. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mary said, how can these things be? See, and I know not a man. Man's not involved here. God said, thank you. I'm glad you recognize that fact. Because man is not involved in the birth of the Lord Jesus, and man is not involved in the birth, the new birth of anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that brought that seed, quivered that flesh, put that body in the womb of the Lord of the Virgin Mary. She carried it for nine months, just like you and I were carried. And in the end, she brought forth a firstborn son and called his name Emmanuel, called his name Jesus, just like was prescribed in scriptures. And from the very beginning, she noticed this guy is different than anybody that has ever walked the face of the earth. For as Thomas said years later, my Lord and my God, this is Emmanuel. Brother Mark, or Nathan.